This is 3 and 5 on SLC Management Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Steve Peacher, head of SLC Management. Thanks for dialing into this session of 3 and 5. And today I'm with Annette Soreo, who is a managing director and fixed income portfolio manager for SLC. Annette, thanks for taking a few moments today. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. So we want to talk about an area that you spend a lot of time on, which is the long duration, the long credit part of the market. So let's start by just talking about that segment. What makes it so unique? And how do you go about implementing long credit strategies in client portfolios? Sure thing. Uh, Insurance companies in the US and overseas, along with pension funds, have been a major source of demand for long duration assets. A long credit plays an important role due to the need for duration to hedge these long-term liabilities or yield targets in some cases, that is, Asia life insurance companies after adjusting for, of course, the hedging costs. So our clients in the long duration strategies, either through LDI or benchmark to the Bloomberg Barclays Long Credit Index, are primarily corporate DB plans. So in terms of portfolio implementation in the long end, we value capital preservation over chasing yield versus the benchmark. So this means moving the portfolio up in quality or adding treasuries versus credit at tighter spreads. Issue selection has been a main driver for excess returns, and as these strategies are duration neutral versus the benchmark. So we are constantly looking at relative values in the long end at an issuer level by looking at historic relationships versus similar names, comparative bonds within within that subsector, or names with similar leverage profiles and ratings. In LDI portfolios, we tend to cap triple B names inside of 10 years and generally hold high quality long end corporate names in the longer part of the curve. As one of the goals of the LDI strategy is to keep up with benchmark liabilities and reduce funding volume. You know, market segments in all markets are kind of always evolving and always changing. So if you think about the long end of the market, how has this changed over the last few years, kind of going from pre-COVID to COVID to now? I'll cover three different themes in that. One is in terms of index characteristics. So the composition of the long credit index has changed over the past 10 years. So leveraging transactions, change of capital allocation policies by corporate issuers has led to an increase in the weight of the triple B portion of the index. And that is mainly skewed by industrial issuance. The second thing is the U.S. Treasury reintroduced the 20-year Treasury in 2020. And since then, it's been maybe a year from there that corporate bonds around maturities around 20 years started to trade versus the 20-year Treasury versus the previous market convention of the 30-year Treasury benchmark. So this change boosted liquidity in the 20-year part of the curve. And since then, has also led to a pickup in corporate issuance in the 20-year tranche. So this 20-year also tends to come under pressure when wall picks up due to its supply-demand dynamics, and this has led to the inversion of the 20s, 30s treasury curve since October last year, and is currently trading around 23 basis points inverted. So what this means for long credit portfolios, we've seen flat to inverted curves in some cases in the corporate curves, and this has made the 20-year corporate paper look attractive in an all-in yield basis. And uh, the third topic I'd like to cover in this is issuance. So 2020 and 2021 had a higher percent of issuance in the long end. So long end as in 10 plus years relative to its five-year averages. So lower rates, access to markets due to Fed policies help these companies extend maturities to boost liquidity, pay down near-term maturities and refinance high coupon debt. So this year has been a little different story with higher rates and financial issuance dominating year-to-date numbers. Supply has been lower in the longer end. 
you know, you mentioned pension funds, which is uh, one of the types of clients that uh, you manage money for. And with the markets down, I think a lot of people don't realize that with rates up, it was actually been a good thing for many pension funds in terms of their funded status. So funded status, even though the asset side of a pension fund may have gone down, their funded status, the relationship between the assets and liabilities have actually improved. So funded status for many pension funds is, is up. You know, a lot of pension funds manage their funds on a LVI basis or liability-driven basis where they're trying to really match assets and liabilities. So as you look at markets, as you look at the improvement in funded status, what should LVI clients focus on in this environment? So higher rates in 2022 have gotten most of these pension plans either fully funded and in some cases even overfunded. I think it was the Millman Pension Fund Index that pointed out that the last time plans were fully funded were in 2007. And our client solution group also publishes a pension monitor every quarter, so which is also interesting. And the thing that caught my eye was it took 15 years since then for these pension plans to get back to full funding. So basing on this experience and also the market pricing in rate cuts in 2023 due to recession risk, I think pension funds should take advantage of the current status and de-risk pension plans. This could be achieved by a combination of either increased allocation to bonds, but based on their LEI glide path, diversification either within fixed income or maximizing hedge ratios by using long duration credit. You know, the long end of the credit market can be a fast-moving market because the durations are long. So as interest rates move, that part of the market moves around. You, you're also fast-moving because I know you got a one-year-old at home that probably takes uh, some lot of fast movements to keep track of. So talk to me about your one-year-old, what's going on and how things are changing now that they've hit that one-year mark. Oh my, things are changing quite fast. Uh, she just started to walk and she's saying a few words. She's saying dada, but not mama. So that is work in progress. And that's how she's keeping me active physically. I need to baby-proof the house because I thought it'll be maybe a couple more months before she starts walking. So now it's just running behind her and seeing that she doesn't break things and drop things around. Well, I've forgotten those days, but my first grandchild's due in a week. So it's good to, I, get, I now have to remember all these things that we're going to have to start thinking about as grandparents. You mentioned uh, child-proofing a house and thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't dealt with that for 20 something years. <laughs> well, Annette, thank you very much for taking the time. And, and thanks everybody for listening to this episode of 3 and 5. Thank you. 